0: You're listening to For The Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favourite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty.
1: Last week I was off, but the guys talked about Borderlands and I was disappointed that I hadn't been part of that conversation because I was looking back and I was looking also forward in terms of when three is due to be out and I was checking through our archives and if you go back 10 years, approximately, uh, within a few weeks from that point, that was the first few appearances of Vince on the podcast. And one of those appearances very early on was on our special that we did rick him and i on borderlands and it's funny that you know 10 years later we're going to be playing borderlands 3 together presumably together at some point on some consoles or, or, or uh, platform but uh, but there is so much history with borderlands for our podcasts from the first two and tales from the borderlands not as much with uh, the pre-sequel although i did reinstall it this time on the pc and have been going through it again and while it's not it it does have some differences because it's take two not as much gearbox it still has a lot of the same feel that we love so much from the other so i am enjoying being back in the world again well not so much the world there you're not a Pandora exactly but that that franchise and having fun with it. And Marty, you were saying you started with the original as well.
0: Yeah. Over the weekend, I dumped about three, four, maybe five hours into borderlands one. Um, in one of our channels, Roger was talking about how it's got one of the best openings of the game that he's ever seen. And uh, I don't disagree. Like I was thinking what games did it better. And I don't know, like, of all the games I have played that I have loved, like the only thing that comes. Yeah. I think the only thing, game that comes better than it for me is like the legend of Zelda just because, and there's a lot of nostalgia tied up in that title, which is, you know, like you go get your wooden sword, you know, you know, the old man tells you to you know, take this back on track, back on track. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, uh, played it, got about to level eight or nine. I'm playing Mordecai. Uh, I do like, uh, when I play a shooter, I want the guns to have some personality, and so far, all the guns have personality. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Borderlands
1: um, understands gun personality.
0: So yeah, no, it yeah, was a lot of fun. An <laughs> Bazillions of guns. Uh, it's it's fun. I, I the the snarky comments that come with every crit. That is something that I didn't know I needed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, I really enjoy that aspect of the game because, uh, you know, I get a crit in Destiny. I'm shouting uh, by myself or to my dog, and and that's about it. Um, But now, like, the TV is shouting with me, and that's pretty great. Uh, The Skag design, so far, I've just, like, murdered all sorts of Skags. That's pretty much all I do is run around the first eight levels. Murder and skags also uh toilets as a place to keep your money and your bullets like don't question psychos marty it will not do you any good just go with it that's i'm just about to say like was not my first choice but it does it make makes some sense. Of sense
1: it makes sense who's gonna look in there us
0: that's true so yeah no i'm enjoying it um it was like i got the game of the year edition for like 20 30 bucks on a
1: but it was in Xbox. the handsome collection you have the handsome collection you said
0: i do i what's well for it was uh the handsome collection was free to play weekend oh um,
1: okay i see mm-hmm. and
0: so when you said get the get the game you know start with borderlands one i'm like well it's 30 bucks like i already put that aside to buy a video game this month so yeah. here we go
1: yeah do the first one then the second one then tales from you got plenty of time to do that, but do it in that order because there's there's stuff that you see as you go through. And then after that, if you want to do the pre-sequel, because um, as I'm doing the pre-sequel, there's little hints here and there from the first game that that now that I have that appreciation of knowing those characters as well, it does make it more impactful cool so let's move on to three then because after of course the podcast last week we did get more news about what we
2: can expect from this so joe go ahead well we got to learn a bunch of information regarding well when it's coming out and apparently that leak that we got as a date was legit because it's yeah september 13th uh and it will be hitting ps4 um i believe they said also xbox at that time uh and the one thing that people are really salty about uh which i I personally don't understand is that it is going to be an Epic store exclusive for six months. And I can understand the reasoning why they want to go with Epic store because one, the revenue cost, but also Epic has made it a point to really push crossplay in every single game that they have on that store and have been investing in a network in order to you know, handle that. And what is Borderlands, if not a co-op game at its core? We were literally just talking about that. Uh, and that's one of the things we we learned about is that, you know, the game is trying to, you know, revolutionize it or, or you know, add more things to multiplayer and making fun, making it more accessible, uh, making it so that you can have couch co-op at the same time that you have internet play and, of course, cross platform. And they're trying to change how looting works so that it's not, you know, ninja looting from each other. It was something similar to like how Diablo is is Diablo three is with loot. Like when something drops, it's yours unless you give it to the other player.
1: Which I, I think love is, that.
2: It's it's a it's a massive quality of life improvement, let me tell you. Well, the thing
1: um, is, is that even it's fantastic even if you are playing with friends or family. Like mm-hmm. even when I was playing with, with Tristan often, and and you guys sometimes who we play, you're not being and when I say you, I mean the person playing like me. You're not being greedy when you see something on the ground or whatever, but in many cases, you actually are picking it up to look at it. And then you got to go through the inventory. And as much as I adore the, the Borderlands franchise, I've always hated their UI system, yeah, elements no of it. And so you're going through and then you got to find it and you got to drop it and look at the next one if you want to compare them and everything else. So, and then you're going, well, no, oh, no, you keep it. Or no, maybe I'll. Oh. There's so many guns in this game that it really never makes sense to fight over a weapon or to argue about who gets the better one because there's so, so many. So this is a fantastic thing. You know, if it's on the ground, it's yours. Just pick it up and go.
2: Yeah. And I I think it also is a good thing, not just for, you know, not hurting anybody's feelings or like, you know, somebody feeling they're being ninja looted. It also helps for rate of play. Because one of the like you just mentioned right there, If they were to add something in the UI that automatically compares the gun to what you have equipped without you having to actually pick it up, like mouse over it and get a stat thing, very similar to like, you know, I don't know, WoW does, that would actually be pretty good for them to combine with this so that you can just take a look at it. If it's good, pick it up and keep going. And then, you know, if you get something that's a, you know, a replacement for something you have and you have something that you think somebody else might go, you can just pick up, go, and as you're going, hey, I got this, you want this, I just replaced it. You know, and it, it sort of makes it a lot quicker. You're not just sitting there in one spot for 20 minutes, futzing around with guns. Yeah. And I think that'll help a lot too, because how many times we are playing and somebody's like going off on their own to their death because you're, you know, and I mean you as like the general us, like you futzing around with inventory, right? So. absolutely yeah
1: they, 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 it's when i heard that i thought that's a about time and b fantastic um as long as they also improve the the, the ui and inventory management while they're at it uh, that'll be fantastic as well
2: now some other things we did learn is we did learn more about the four playable characters not a whole lot more but just enough to keep us interested and to keep us going uh so we know that maz is the soldier that was part of the tech demo that they released uh, or they showed off, you know, three or four years ago. I can't remember at this point. Was it 20? Might have been longer than that. Uh, but she's the soldier. Uh, and her ultimate essentially is a mech that she gets in called Iron Bear uh, that she can pilot around and just make murder with. I mean, who doesn't want to ride a mech in Borderlands? I know I do. Yes.
0: I mean, that is that makes me really want to, like, play this game even more. And <laughs> I will be buying it like I'm going to save the money. I'll buy it on Xbox. on a, not Xbox cuz y'all motherfucker not all you motherfuckers have it. So Well, if I'll it's crossplay, it who cares? Is it really going to be crossplay? Like I, So they haven't they haven't fully announced it yet, and I think that
2: they're just kind of working on the back-end deals, but I really in my heart of hearts feel that that's why they made some of the decisions they did because they've always wanted to do crossplay. That's one of the things that they've always wanted to do. And even back in the days of Borderlands 2, when it was first released the devs used to kind of like sneakily hint that there were ways to get crossplay working if you wanted to invest in certain programs or third-party applications to get it going and we did that a lot so i mean they've always wanted to do crossplay i think this is going to be the one that has it neat wow awesome so i mean we can hope and let's hope on that one uh but then not only Maz has the Iron Bear, now we got Amara, who's the new Siren, uh, who she's the one that summons the Ethereal Fist to pound enemies, which I think is fantastic because a Siren having melee abilities. Hell yes, that looks great. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, we have Zane, who's a semi-retired hitman, uh, who basically has all sorts of wonderful gadgets. Uh, so he's basically the Batman of this setting, including having digital clones, uh, which we know from Tales from the Borderland can do a lot of damage. So that's a thing. And then you have Flack. Uh, who's a wandering robot who's always accompanied by one of their loyal and battle-hardened pets? They're beastmaster. They're they're basically a beastmaster hunter from WoW. Also, I appreciate the, the fact that this robot is gender neutral. That robot might be my my next Babs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw I'm, that. I was like, this is going to be Roger's character. Like, I'm calling it now. Yeah, that's that's Babs that's for fucking sure.
1: I, mean, I cannot wait to play him. I'm going to play that siren as well because, man, she looks cool. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm thinking I might either Zane or the robot. We'll see.
2: Uh, we did find out some more stuff about the main villains, or at least what we can assume are the main villains, which are the Calypso twins. Uh, who are uniting the bandit clans and attempting to get their hands on the ultimate galaxy's power of destroying anything that they want. Uh, They both, again, looking at the pictures, look so much like Handsome Jack, and I am fairly confident they carry around his skull with them, because I think that they're a cult of Jack. And if they're not clones of Jack, they are making themselves look like Jack with surgery.
1: I I see, I'm... I see that more as the art style of the game making them look as similar as they do. I don't think that they are clones or descendants. That said, however, I prefer that idea. Over just generic evil twins because Lord knows we've seen that enough fucking times. But generic evil twins that are actually descendants of Jack somehow, or failed clones, or different things like that. Now that's interesting.
2: So now, we'll see. The reason I'm the reason I, I'm starting to lean that way is uh, Tales from the Borderland. When you talk with Digital Jack, when when Vaughn and or Reese, excuse me, uh, and Digital Jack are having a conversation about how jack tried to obtain immortality failed cloning program was one of the things he mentioned yeah but that's also
1: in the pre-sequel in the pre-sequel you can play as a jack clone if you want so it's that that we know that's already in the game
2: i would i just want them to i i really want them to do this i think it'd be great yeah uh but then you have all sorts of the the other supporting stuff that we're starting to do with the the loot system we already talked about the co-op system that we've we've talked about And then it's just going to be incredibly more guns and smart bullets and new uh, feature alternate fire modes on guns and all sorts of random shit. Like, guns upon guns upon guns was always their thing. And they always had, like, oh, it has an elemental effect or, oh, it has, you know, when you reload, you throw the gun and it explodes like a grenade. uh, Stuff like that. They're adding actual, like, secondary fire effects to the guns not just, like, little tiny flavor things, and I think that's really damn cool. Well, uh, it, like, it guns makes, that can toggle between elements?
1: Yeah. It made me think of when they were talking about the the, the original game and the AI that they created to create all the, the various guns so that they didn't have to do it all. It's just the system was coded to be able to make bajillions of guns kind of thing. And it's almost as if from what we're seeing here, that that tweaking to that system, you know, to really improve upon it so that, okay, you can do this, now you can also do this, so that the randomization is going to be that much more impactful. Um, I I keep going back to the same thing, and it's, it's a pro and a con in my opinion, and I felt the same way when I was playing all of the Borderlands games, where you will find weapons that you adore and use them for a very long time. But there are so, so many of them that drop that it's very easy not to get attached to a weapon. Mm -hmm. And I often think that's a mistake. In a shooter game, there's a reason why when you're watching movies and TV shows that the main characters... and. uh, any number of characters their weapons be they named or not are very iconic and there's an attachment to it um but you don't get that in borderlands because there's so many fucking guns and so it kind of works against them in in a way as well
2: yeah and i can see that to me i i actually kind of like that in the borderland setting specifically because I think it's hilarious, and it fits the vault hunter personality yeah. and sort of the aesthetic of the that particular world. Unlike Sekiro, where your sword is your part of your person, it's part of your core, and so of course you never replace it. Like that makes sense there. Uh, but the last thing that we did find out about this game is that there is going to be a worldwide gameplay reveal event on May first, which is coming up not too long from now. So we're actually going to get to see legitimate gameplay from inside the game, not a trailer, not some pre-rendered crap. We're going to get people playing the game and they're going to be inviting people out to play. it. it looks like.
1: The only other thing that I will say, and and this is one of those things where um, we simply don't know, but I know that it's exciting to think of other worlds, and, and journeying to other worlds and whatnot. And while that aspect was fun in Tales from the Borderlands, I do find that in the pre-sequel, it actually does make a difference that you're not on Pandora. They're part of what makes Borderlands um, as a franchise, so, and the game, so much fun to play, is how iconic Pandora is. And so... I, I know they can pull it off on other planets as well. It's just that, well, they didn't, in my opinion, pull it off with the pre-sequel. Again, the gameplay is fun, although I'm not as much of a fan of the floatiness, but that's fine. I can get used to it on PC. And the characters are, are, are cool. I love Jenny Springs and, and Athena and, and whatnot. Those are very cool characters, and, and I love them. But the setting doesn't have nearly the impact. And for Borderlands, the setting is huge. So I'm, but I'm it, curious what they're going to do, but I'm a little worried also.
2: Yeah, it's going to depend on execution. Like one of the things we talked about before, uh, like when we talked about it last week, was that things like sirens, we know that there's a set number of them in the universe. If one of the worlds happens to be where the siren power originates from, I could see that being cool. And that would have weight for a character or some player who yeah. really enjoys that class like there are things that they can do to add weight to it and make it feel better. I think the problem with like the sequel is you didn't care. Right? Like you it, you weren't on Pandora, but you did you care it's a hyperion moon. You didn't give a shit.
1: Well, again, it's all about setting. You you care about the people, but you really don't care about the setting at all. And it's yeah. uh, it's it, it's all an aesthetic. I I'm quite certain that there are people that are thinking, "Listen, Pandora is a barren wasteland and the the moon is a barren wasteland it's just one is sci-fi kind of purples and dark colors and the other one is bright kind of deserty kind of colors so it's 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 very much a preference thing it's just that from a lore perspective there's so much of the lore in the first and the second one that was about specifically about pandora and so it does have an impact, and the setting has an impact. It's not just about the people. So,
2: yeah, and I and I just find that interesting personally. That that this is a, dis, a direction, a distinct direction that they're planning to go. I I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful yeah, that it's exactly. going to be interesting because I'd, I'd love to see Psychos on a verdant, like dinosaur-ridden planet, and see how that would be. Because I mean, Psychos riding dinosaurs—that'd be fucking <laughs> great. That'd be great. Alright, so let's move
1: from one shooter to another then. I had mentioned before that I got back into Destiny 2, and basically that was Anthem is doing, so thanks, Bioware. And uh, there was a sale going on, so I did pick up the season pass as well. And there are both good elements and bad. Again, my opinions only, so that only takes you so far. Let me start with a few things, and then we're going to move on with some of the news that's coming on as well for uh, what's upcoming for Destiny 2 and leaks for Destiny 3 as well. So, right off the bat, um, right off the bat, (laughs) Marty, you're going to love this, right off the bat was bad. (laughs) It got better, but right off the bat for me was not good. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. They employ a false start to the game, which you see often in movies where the the you're you're kind of dropped in. The action is already well on its way. You don't know everything that's going on, but you're kind of running to keep along and to figure out what's happening. And then inevitably, right before the climax, you you get the message of six weeks ago or three months ago or that kind of thing, and then they start the story proper. Now, there's times when that can work. There's times when that can work effectively as well, when you need to really kickstart the story because otherwise the start would be somewhat boring. Um, Or if you need to lay some groundwork in terms of be it characters or a... Uh, a setting or a even just a roadmap of where you can expect the story to take you, then that can work in your to your advantage as well. Now the problem is that with their false start that they gave us, you see Cade getting killed. Like I mean, well, sorry, you don't see that last bullet, but you hear it and you see everything leading up to it. That false start is supposed to put you at a point. Most of the time, and especially if done properly, again, in my opinion, where um, you don't see the end. The actual climax, the reason they put you back and then show it all to you is because they know you're already on the edge of your seat now. And you're going to be waiting to figure out what actually transpires. In this case, you already know. So a lot of what follows in the three weeks ago or whatever it was for this, I can't remember how long, I think it was six weeks. No, it
0: was like hours. Yeah,
1: whatever it was is has absolutely no impact. You already know what's gonna happen. You saw it, there's no impact whatsoever. And and while, while it does not occupy that much, like the entirety, I should say, of the narrative moving forward, It occupies enough of it that it was, at least to me, very noticeable. And that, yeah, on top of that, the fact that they didn't get Nathan Filio had a huge impact for me with the enjoyment of even just the few lines that Cade had in this expansion. Like, Cade 6 was a spectacular character that... I think we can say, yeah, there's a lot of actors that could have voiced it, absolutely, but it would not be the version of Kate 6 that we adored unless it was Filion who voiced it. And this was good in bad in in, (laughs) because what it did is for me again at least, it really made me zero in on just how good a voice actor he is because because of the impact of not having him for such an impactful moment in a character's life that i care about this much so the voice acting was so spectacular and so iconic to a character that I have grown attached to over the years as have a great many people because it is such a fantastic fucking character and the the death of this character is supposed to be hugely impactful not just for the the expansion but for the game as well as for your enjoyment if you really enjoyed this character and and unfortunately it Did not have near the impact. Now, that's not to say that the voice acting was bad. Whoever did the voice acting did a good job. There were, in fact, a couple of... Nolan North. Was it Nolan? I wasn't sure if it was him. There were a couple of lines that you're going, that was close, actually. I'll give him that. But for the most part, um, it wasn't. And again, it's good, but it didn't feel like you're questing with Cade 6 and so K6 dying then in front of you
0: eh, it's
1: not really it wasn't K6 you know it was in this case Nolan north i just again for me personally it really really impacted that start now he's not in it for most of the game K6 is gone but it 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 really had an impact in the start of that expansion moving forward, and that's pretty fucking important. You want to make sure that people are on board at that point.
0: Yeah, we have completely different, uh, uh we're coming from completely different places because, like, the, the false start. I mean, we knew that Cade Six was dying ahead of us. They basically said, Yep, yeah, he's gonna die. Um, so for me, it was still fairly impactful, especially seeing the return of Aldrin as the one that pulled the trigger. But I also had like a different connection just because of all the hours I put in uh, with Destiny 1 and, like, Cade being the only character that had any real depth until, I would argue, uh, Zavala's questline on Titan and Ikora's on IO is when they get actual depth from, you know, and development from previous games. Uh, But, I mean, you know, reasonable people can agree or disagree about this particular aspect of it the change of nolan north i i totally understand that like it was a little bit it was jarring um but yeah
1: I understand also you're saying your investment in it um i don't know how many hundreds of hours you put in but i played the fuck out of the first game like don't kid yourself i played a ton of that first one Plus on the Xbox One as well to replay a bunch of it. And then the second one, again, I bought it on the PS4 and the fucking PC. Like, I've, I played quite a bit of it. Not, I'm not saying as much as you. I know not as much as you. But I was pretty heavily invested, and, and even I found it still disappointing. And, yes, I knew he was going to die too, but the story could have been done in such a way that even though you know what's coming up, you're not going to know all the details. And this was, like, literally all you missed was seeing the bullet leave the gun. Everything else you saw. Now, that being said, though, it's a spectacular fucking scene. His fight scene is, is one of the best choreographed fighting scenes I may have ever seen in a game. Like... It was spectacular to look at and to behold. It was so fucking well done. And I think that's why I was also disappointed when it, in my opinion, kind of fell flat, because that lead up was so well done that had they cut it just fucking sooner, it would have had that much more impact later on.
0: I think um the moment he says I'm coming home, ace, for me. Like, right right there. Um, whatever other sins of that intro, they were all forgiven right there. Yeah,
1: well, there were a few scenes, and this is where we're getting into the good stuff as well here. And yeah. I will say, actually, there's a lot. You, you're not going to be disappointed here, Marty. By and large, I have not only been having a lot of fun, I have also been very appreciative of very well-done narrative. Very well done story elements. Uh, very cool bounties to work on for different things. Uh, with the exception of Drifter, which we talked about uh, in Discord as well. And yeah. we'll get to that in a moment. But I really have been enjoying myself in the game. And there have been moments where, once again, going back to being able to appreciate good good acting. When you're getting those moments between Gina Torres and... Um, uh Lance not Lance. Oh, uh, really. Yeah. Um holy fucking hell. Like those were amazing, but more so than that, after you finish a bunch of different bounties and things like that, once you've um, progressed in the story far enough, when you go and talk to different NPCs, be they guardians or or whoever else they will have heard of the exploits. They'll have heard that Cade died. They'll have heard of your exploits to, to, um, to avenge him and different things like that. And when you do avenge him finally, um, Zavala did not want you to, but you could tell that Gino had wanted somebody to avenge him, and she had wanted to be part of it. When you come back and talk to her after, she has a speech that brought like tears to my my eyes, watered. It was so unbelievably well done like she's talking about him as her funny friend you know that he wasn't for everybody but he was her funny friend when everybody else was a this or that and pulling on her this way or that way he was just a friend and it was such a powerful moment like that i would put up with many others throughout both the first and the second game it was so fucking well done and you get a bunch of those as you're going through and i mean even the stuff with zavala i don't agree with anything that he decided i understand why he's doing it but even though it's again it's it's a fucking game these are pixels on the screen and i'm like you can go fuck yourself zavala i'm going to kill this bastard and like i'm invested i am I I want to be the one that takes this this bastard down for what he did. And and it was very very cool that they could bring that out of the player by means of amazing storytelling, fantastic characters and great voice acting.
0: Yeah, I I Luckily for this conversation, I just finished that scene maybe about three or four days ago. Oh, really? Actually, probably a week. Yeah, I just redid it on my uh, Warlock because for my Warlock, my Warlock is totally siding with Drifter. Not for the same reason, for different reasons. Um, But yeah, like I was, it's been so long since I did it on my, on my Hunter. And I, uh, I remember thinking back then, this is setting up, for d3 right this is the moment where the vanguard is fracturing um and zavala reacting to the red war and the death of Cade, and his responsibility is being overly cautious and ikora is throwing all of it to the wind to kill um to go after aldrin and bring the reef to heal also keep in mind like ikora is the woman that jumps on a fucking spaceship to punch it with void powers like like that's i still that's one of my favorite scenes from the the intro from destiny 2 um so yeah i i i just did that and i cold hardly agreed like uh zavala's take having been all caught up and up to date with the lore when i finished it uh like it made more sense to me now um but i core has had more of an impact you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get where is coming from. And, like, we shouldn't really go to war with the Reef. But we're going to go avenge Cade because fuck those motherfuckers. Like, they took away our friend. Like, yeah. I totally get that, too.
1: Well, not just that, but all of the stuff that you're doing with Petra as well is... Oh, Petra. Very, very cool. Because here you have a character also, uh, once again, the... As they are creating characters, it's, it's almost as if it's hit or miss for them. Either they don't give them enough backstory to make them or give them enough motivation to make it realistic or things like that. Or they create this character where you're seeing the, the devotion to the throne and the conflict of having to also go after Aldrin kind of thing. There's, there's some very cool elements in, with that character that I really enjoyed.
0: Have you you unlocked the Dreaming City? So you're in Forsaken post game at this point. right? Yeah, I've
1: been working on the different bounties and, and uh, adventures and stuff on the uh, Dreaming City.
0: Did you unlock and finish Cade's will?
1: No, I haven't. Wait a minute. I don't know. I got his. I you haven't gotten a- his gun yet, but I got the the oh, no. bounties, and I'm working towards getting the gun. It's just I got to do a bunch of fucking crucible to get it, and I don't
0: want to do that. <laughs> I understand completely. Uh, although I've had some fantastic runs in Crucible lately, um I also main a hunter so I apologize. But uh there are about I think it's 10 maybe a little bit more lines of dialogue left for uh for Cade 6 in this game. So we'll uh we can revisit we'll talk about definitely in Discord uh when when they happen because it's Cade's will and you'll you'll hear it. I don't want to spoil it for you. It's pretty phenomenal. Okay, I so thought it was pretty phenomenal.
1: Let's move on to the new news then.
0: So, I am avoiding the 4chan leaked, you know, whatever Anon dude is saying the stuff. Some of this stuff has been in discussion for a long time. So, the parts that I do know have been in discussion for a long time, I am free and will totally comment on. Um, Destiny 3 is a while away. So, first, let's talk about Arc Week because it's not going to bring us any lore per se, but we are going to get a ton uh, of new catalysts for some of our favorite guns, including the Huckleberry. Um, and we will be getting a week in P- the PVP sector where all of our, to show off our brand new arc abilities. Uh, you're going to be able to, you know, do your super basically almost every 20 seconds. It'll be insane. But, uh, all arc subclasses are getting uh, a buff, especially the ones from the previous uh, year. For example, the Arc Strider ability, Way of the Warriors, my flat-out favorite, narratively speaking. Um, and you can basically get a power where you dodge, punch, dodge, punch, and they're boosting the do- they're boosting the punch, and they're making so it just doesn't get consumed. The buff doesn't get consumed when you use it, to give it like more of an oomph. Because it turns out that uh, not a lot of people play Ark. Uh, a lot of hunters wanted to play uh, cut, uh, the Thousand Knives thing because we saw Cade pull it off in his final cutscene. Um, but for the most part, we're not... He's gloriously, we're, by the way. Oh. This is so good. <laughs> Every time I use it, like, and I'm being surrounded, I'm like, oh, this is so good. I hope I don't die. Um, but there's that. Uh, and, and we're going to see the other warlock and titan abilities get uh, balanced up there is an incoming nerf for spectral blades which is the hunter night stalker power which is so ridiculously broken right now and it's been broken um so it's always fun to kill another hunter when they're rocking that power As, as for the future of the game bungie is denying they're getting rid of pvp um but the the concept and the talk of pvp slash pvp zones are coming up more and more and more and that they'll be introducing a new alien race not a remod like the taken or the scorn or siva fallen but actual new race called the veil there's some credence to this because in the art books there are these um amorphous black darkness based monsters they are hinted at when Drifter talks about things in the dark that only the dark can kill, uh, and we see the pyramid ships at the end of Destiny 2's campaign. All so- so- sites are all, all sites are pointing to the veil vale becoming this new enemy and having something to do with the nine and their role in the upcoming drama. Now, there is also talk of a what a precipitating event that will reset the servers and everything for destiny three. So it's easier for people to jump in where there will be a second collapse. Um, and you can argue that, uh, that's being foreshadowed on the lore that is included on the apocalypse armor set. That is the gambit armor sets. I, I, you can't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this because you got one city of humanity left getting rid of it. Isn't a collapse. Getting rid of it is like, civilization genocide. ending the event so uh but the rise of the pvp zones and the darkness influenced guardians i think that's coming down that's going to be true because I, what we're seeing is um oh i'm sorry go ahead
1: well we're seeing a kind of a different blend now because of gambit as well where it's kind of yeah melding it so that it's 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 almost as if they're like okay you can do this pvp which is just like the other pvp but less pvp in it we're throwing some pve into your pvp and it's like i'm all right with that i only have to put up with bastards that come in every once in a while and and i get to go taunt them every once in a while too i'm i fucking adore gambit so more of that i'm I'm good with it
0: what we're also seeing like the i know you do not care for drifter which we could have a whole conversation on drifter alone um but Drifter as an archetype is uh according to what we have been doing in game so far, is he's breaking the mold of what he's supposed to be, uh, which is of interest to everyone. Uh remember, guardians and light bearers like drifter are paracausal beings. They change fate, they change destiny, they change uh the laws of physics around them. Um implying that Drifter and his ability to play with the darkness, but not become completely consumed by it is an interesting new thing. Aldrin played with the, he didn't play with the darkness. He played with the Ahamkara and he lost. Um, Drifter is different. Uh, And he is basically using people, throwing people in the way of other light bringers that are more terrifying because they have a stricter code and they're, um, Lawful awful, if you, you know, not lawful but evil, but not lawful good either. Not lawful neutral either. Uh, The man with the golden gun being that individual that is um, so monomaniacal in their quest that he is just executing guardians uh, who even come close to dabbling with darkness powers like malfeasance or thorn or other weapons of sorrow, which I will be surprised if before Destiny 3 we don't get at least one more weapon of sorrow thrown into this mix. So uh, what was some of the other stuff? Oh, Enceladus will be one of the one of the uh, future worlds. I mean, we've been promised Enceladus for forever. Uh, before Destiny 3 finally drops, we'll also be visiting old Chicago, which, hell yes. That'd be awesome. Uh, right? Like, Bungie got its start in this city. I remember their webcam, watching their fish tank. Uh, I'm very excited about this. Well,
1: especially based on what we saw with how they handled the new zones for this. Like, the Tangled Shore and the Dreaming City are just spectacular new zones. Like, I I hated the uh, the, the Infinite Forest bullshit because that was fucking stupid as hell. But this is amazingly beautiful. Like, I stand in the, the, the spot where Petra stands uh, in the Dreaming City and look out. And take away the black goop that's dropping all over the place. And the first thought that comes to my mind is, can you imagine if Mr. Pandaria had looked like this? Like if oh that God. was the setting for Mr. Pandaria. That because it's the same kind of thing with the 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 sweeping the hills kind of all over the place, the, the jutting rocks with the, the trees on them and everything. It's just unbearably gorgeous. And the tangled shore conceptually as well is so fucking cool because everything's kind of chained together and stuff like that. And, and then when you're looking at what it also means because of the, the, the characters that you interact with there, like spider, who is such an amazing character. Like when you first quote unquote team up, with with a Fallen, and, and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And it just continues to get better. Like, if they can do that kind of thing with Chicago or anywhere else that they drop us, that's the kind of new zones we need, not the infin- Infinite Force
0: bullshit. I, I would like to see them like take some of the stuff that they learned from the Infinite Force and polish it, which there's talk of that too. And I don't remember what. Oh, that's right, the Revel, the Revelry, which is um, coming towards the uh, July, uh, July-ish. There's talk of like procedurally generated stuff coming then, um, which will be before D3 because uh, because of no more Activision and Bungie gets to do what it pretty much wants to do. That what we're not, we're not necessarily going to see a D3. Um, what was D3 may just be a gigantic content patch. We don't, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not well versed enough in game development to say like what that's going to be like. I can say though, we are going to see Darkness Guardians. Like that's just where we're headed. We are going to get like new aliens. Um, I don't know how I feel about this whole collapse thing. Cause like if you got one place left to live where most of humanity lives, Getting rid of that is not a collapse. Getting rid of that is genocide or an extinction level event. Unless, of course, there's talk of like other characters that are out in this universe that we haven't seen in forever, like Lady Aphrodite or what's going on there. Oh, also, before I forget, Enceladus is going to be rad because we all think that that's where um, Exos were born or where... The most modern generation of Exos were born. We know that Exos were built on partially on Venus and partially on Mars to deal with um, the Vex, but Enceladus is where the Deep Stone Crypt is probably, and that's where you get your you get your Exos now. So, and that would be a fun place to go to. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, let's move away from Destiny Two, Joe. You had wanted to talk about Darkborn.
2: Yeah, so this is an interesting game, or at least one that I didn't know anything about until I stumbled upon this. And I don't even remember how. I think I was looking at horror movies. Uh, but it's a game where you get to play as a monster, and you get to murder Vikings. And that's pretty cool. Uh, so basically, it's straight out of, like, Viking lore, where you are a, a one of the creatures of the dark. Um, you witness your family essentially being dr- taken out of the cave and murdered. Uh, being sacrificed to whatever gods the Vikings are sacrificing to. Uh, and you basically evolve and go through in a first-person perspective uh, to murder and take revenge. Uh, I think it's really cool, simply because not very many games let you take on the role of the monster. You're always, like, the conquering hero. And I think this is an interesting twist on that. And I also like the idea of, well, the Vikings sold all these grand stories and had all these grand adventures but they were kind of jerks sometimes,
0: sometimes. i really like
2: that <laughs> what's that it sometimes we, yeah
1: yeah yeah no, I, I, we didn't live
2: there at that time we don't know
1: well this is true maybe they were just misunderstood
2: maybe but i i think it's 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 interesting too because it's also not going to be like all humans are bad there's going to be uh instances of humans that like you know want to essentially work with you um so i'm really curious how this is going to go there's no date for it yet uh and the footage that we've seen is the first time we've apparently there's been anything really since 2016 with it um i'm really excited to see what happens with it the production value seems to be getting pretty up there as well yeah yeah
1: I'm i'm curious narratively speaking it could be very interesting if done well i agree Okay, with that we are actually gonna call it a wrap for tonight. Thank you very much for joining us. You can find in the show notes at ForTheLore.com or individually on Twitter. We are for the lore or individually. Ugh, fuck. Yeah, see, this is why we're stopping now. <laughs> 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 My head's against the mic here. <laughs> Joe is Lorders at Jay Vince is uh who's not here is at Sebodian, and Marty is Officer Gleason. Leave us your thoughts on iTunes and Stitcher, and with that, we will talk to you later. Won't
0: you Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.